0: Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. In a previous lesson about Mashiach, we discussed at length why there's a need for a human Mashiach. Why can't the Messianic Age just come into being by itself through evolution? And we explained that, in truth, all major events in history Jewish history in particular, happened through a charismatic, influential, inspiring leader. Moses was the leader who ushered in the period of Sinai. Joshua was the one who led them into the land of Israel. And throughout Jewish history, it was great Jewish leaders, righteous leaders, who ushered in a new period, a new era. And the same will be true about Mashiach. But how does Mashiach accomplish all of this? Mashiach is not just a powerful leader who has an army at his disposal and can coerce people to do things. It's not really how he affects people. He affects people spiritually. He reveals the inner core of our soul. He ignites the spark that we all have within us. And he introduces us to ourselves. It's it's really quite the opposite of a dictator who uses force to get people to do his bidding, to follow his dictates. That's why he's called a dictator. But the way Mashiach will do things, although Mashiach presumably will have power and he could exercise that power if he so wills, but he won't have to exercise power because he'll introduce us to our true inner soul, which is consistent with everything Mashiach stands for. Mashiach stands for bringing the world to a state where God will be the supreme, recognized monarch of the whole world. Everyone will be aware of that godly presence, and as a result, everyone will want to do the right thing. Everyone will be drawn to the teachings of Mashiach who will teach us how to get closer and closer to God. So, in truth, Mashiach is an indispensable part of the Messianic age. There will be a great Jewish leader, there is a great Jewish leader, who is the Mashiach. In every generation, there is someone who is qualified to be Mashiach. But then the question is, what is Mashiach's objective? And how do we identify the person who is Mashiach? How do we know that someone who comes along and says, you know what, I'm Mashiach. I know there are a lot of people who make that claim. Some of them need, uh, sadly, they need some medical intervention. But how do you know when a serious person comes along and says he's Mashiach? How do we know that he is Mashiach? So we're going to go through some of the things that Mashiach has to do. First of all, what is his objective? And how he identifies himself and how he proves his messianic status. So I'm going to go through the way Maimonides explains it and give you some of his criteria and explain it, going a little bit more deeply into it. First of all, Maimonides says what is the ultimate objective of Mashiach and of the Messianic age? It's to restore the integrity of Judaism. Right now, many of the commandments cannot be implemented because we don't have the temple, just to give you one example. But there are other commandments that we can't do because of other circumstances that will be rectified through Mashiach. Mashiach will rebuild the temple and gather all of the Jewish people from all over the world and bring them into Israel, which changes the status of Israel and facilitates our observance of certain commandments that cannot be observed when the majority of Jews do not live in Israel. So that's the objective of Mashiach. He is there to restore the integrity of Judaism. And of course... In the process, he's going to do a lot of other things, and in the process, he will also bring peace to the whole world. But his primary objective is to restore the integrity of Torah, the divine teaching that we call Torah. Now, the question that you could ask before we go on to the criteria of how to identify Mashiach is why were there so many false messiahs? I have a book that goes through about a dozen false messiahs Messiahs, And it's probably only a small sampling of the total number of people who proclaim themselves as the Messiah, and many of them were able to dupe many followers into believing that. Why did people have a problem with misidentifying the Messiah? And the answer is, it is basically a lack of awareness and knowledge of what Mashiach is all about, and what is the real criteria for Mashiach. If the Mashiach's purpose and objective is to restore Torah to its real strength, to make Torah more relevant to us in implementing all of the Torah's teachings, then if someone comes along and proclaims himself to be Mashiach and says we don't have to keep all of the commandments, that itself is the greatest argument that that person cannot possibly Mashiach is the least qualified to be Mashiach. In other words, any other person who doesn't make that claim that Torah is no longer relevant is more of a candidate for Mashiach than someone who may have a lot of other qualities, but if he denies the fact that Torah will never be changed, and especially not in the Messianic age, if he denies that, then he's certainly not qualified to be Mashiach. But you know what? Let's take, for example, Shabbetai Tzvi, the 17th century false messiah. This was an age where people were crushed, were were demoralized, were decimated, and really were looking and searching and grabbing onto a straw. And since they didn't even know too much about Shabbatai Tzvi, they just knew he was a charismatic person. They knew he had certain. He was known as a scholar. He was a kabbalist, and he was charismatic. And they didn't know to what extent he himself violated many of the teachings of Jewish law. We're not going to go into the whole history of at this in this lesson. But because there was no real communication, there was no internet, there was no telephone, there was no newspaper, there was no radio or television, which would allow people to find out more about this individual, he wasn't interviewed by a major uh, news network. So people did not really know to what extent he violated Jewish law, and therefore he was certainly disqualified. When he finally converted to Islam, then, of course, it became quite apparent that he was not the Jewish Messiah. So that's really one of the main reasons that people would hold on to a belief in a certain individual as Mashiach, because they were not aware that Mashiach has to restore Judaism to its real uh, strength, They either didn't know that, or they didn't know that the person who proclaimed himself or others proclaimed him to be Mashiach violated that. So what are the criteria for Mashiach? So the Maimonides makes it clear like this. Mashiach has to be a king. A king doesn't mean literally a king. It means a great leader, a dynamic leader, someone whose word will be listened to. People will follow what he says. Just like a king, a real monarch and biblical Uh, times, had the power to dictate whatever he wanted people to do, Mashiach has to be someone who was a leader. It can't just be some obscure figure coming out of a cave and all of a sudden proclaiming himself to be Mashiach. It has to be someone who is a leader before he becomes the Mashiach. He already has to be a leader. Because if Mashiach is going to change the world. He has to influence the world. He's not going to wave a magic wand and then everyone will just change overnight. He's going to influence people. Maybe his influence will be much more quick in terms of changing people than the than any other person, but he still has to influence people, so he has to have certain leadership capabilities. That's, that's the first criterion. He also has to be a descendant of King David. Now, that's not the most difficult thing because there, we know people today who are descendants of King David. The one thing that would disqualify him is that he cannot be a Kohain or a Levi, a priest or a Levite. He has to be a descendant of the tribe of Yehuda. He has to be a non-Kohen or Levi in order for him to qualify as the Mashiach. Now, that's talking about his ancestry. But he also has to be Someone who's steeped in Torah study, someone who's not just has some casual knowledge of Torah, who dabbles with Torah. He has to be someone who meditates on it, who goes into it in depth, and has a very deep relationship with the study of Torah. And it has, to, and Maimonides says he has to be, he has to be faithful to its teachings, both the written law and the oral law. If Mashiach only subscribes to the written teachings of the Bible, the Torah, the written Torah, but not the oral teachings, that itself disqualifies him. He has to be faithful to all parts of the Torah. And he's someone who translates that knowledge into action. It's not just someone who studies Torah. He has to be totally engaged like someone who's in business. When you're in business, the idea of business is to make a profit It's not just enough to go through the motion of business. Well, the same way, Mashiach can't just study Torah and go through the motions of studying Torah. He has to translate it, that there's some profit coming out of it. The profit is that he lives his life in accordance to those teachings. So therefore, this already repudiates any antinomian. That means anyone who comes to the conclusion that Mashiach is going to do away with commandments This negates that, of course, because Mashiach's role is to study Torah and implement the teachings, the commandments of the Torah, in his own life. But it's not enough that he does it in his own life. He has to compel all of Israel to go in its path and strengthen its breaches. That means he has to influence. Now, compelling could mean with a whip, could be with with the soldiers, with an army, but it doesn't have to be that way, as I mentioned before. Mashiach can do it with his words of mouth, with his speech, with his influence, with his inspiration, because as I said in an earlier class, Mashiach is there to touch our inner core, the essence of our souls. When that essence comes out, it's like a a spark is ignited into a huge flame. Everyone will want to do the commandments. So he's going to compel us to fulfill the commandments and to do the positive commandments and to repair its breaches if we're if we're weak in our uh, resistance to negative things, he's going to strengthen our resistance and therefore change the way we live our lives for the better. He'll get us on the right path. And he will wage wars of God. And commentaries point out this this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to become a military uh, ch- chief, he'll become the the uh, general, the five-star general, or the defense minister. uh, No, he doesn't have to do that. He's going to fight the wars, again, through his inspiration, through his influence. And who is he going to fight? He's going to fight against those people who are standing in the way of the rebuilding of the final temple, the Beit HaMikdash HaShlishi, the third temple, which is one of Mashiach's requirements, which the Rambam goes on that at this point, before he does anything else, he's someone who's a leader, descendant of King David, who's steeped in Torah knowledge and translate that knowledge into behavior, into action, influences people, Jewish people, to get on the right path, and both doing good things and avoiding negative things, and he fights wars against evil, then he is presumed to be the Mashiach. He has this presumption. It's not certain yet, but it's presumed. Now, after it's presumed, if he rebuilds the temple in its proper place, that means on the Temple Mount, but he knows the exact dimensions, where to build it, and he gathers all the Jews from all the rest of the world, then we're dealing with Mashiach Vaday, certain Mashiach. That is already the beginning of the final redemption, because he has fulfilled the requirements, the basic requirements of Mashiach, to rebuild the temple and gather all the Jews, because that would restore all of Jewish practice to its original state, and therefore he has, he could say, mission accomplished. And after that, he deals with the rest of the world and brings the whole world to the belief in one God and unites all of humanity into one mass of people who are aware of this one God. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone is going to become Jewish. Maimonides does not make that claim, neither do most other authorities on this subject. Everyone will be who they are, and if it's just they will just be the ideal of who they are, not just some compromised version of who they are. At this point when everyone knows their spiritual potential, when everyone is aware of the one God, that's gonna bring about an age of peace and harmony, and the whole world will be transformed. It'll still be a physical world, Maimonides writes. The world is not gonna change that all of a sudden we could wave a magic wand and, and fly from one end of the world to the other. Nature will be the same as it is today but it'll be a world in which the will no longer the Jewish people will no longer be subservient to others and the whole world will live in peace and harmony with one another so that gives us a little bit of an understanding of what mashiach's objective is and how we identify the person as mashiach in every generation i mentioned before there is someone who is qualified to be mashiach and That person, when the time comes, will accomplish all of these things, will get the signal from God, it's time to build the holy temple. Until he gets that signal, we don't go ahead on our own to build that temple. We wait for that signal and we hope it'll come very soon, it'll be imminent, and the whole world will unite together as one in serving one God. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.